Hello, and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. This is Alex. It is Monday, May 2nd, 2022, which means that we are deep into the second quarter. It's still earnings season. More on that in a minute. And there is quite a lot going on. Let's go. All right, starting off with markets, as always, the big news this morning is that Chinese manufacturing industries have contracted more than expected in April. This was, of course, the second consecutive month of contraction in that part of the Chinese economy. Recall that the Chinese government is making noise about pulling back on tech regulation in response to its domestic tech companies executing wide and painful layoffs in recent months. So seeing the lower tech portion of the country's economy also contract is about as welcome as a tofurkey at a NASCAR event. More on China in a moment. Stocks are mostly lower today in Europe and just about flat in the US during pre-market trading. Major crypto tokens are flat in the last 24 hours. The biggest names out there, you know, your Bitcoins, your Ethereums, not much action even in the last week. Some smaller projects are taking on water in recent trading, but really it's nothing to write home about. Turning to the world of public companies, we are going to see earnings this week from Airbnb and Lyft and Uber and Match and Twilio and DoorDash and Shopify and Block, aka Square. If last week was the week for tech conglomerates to report their results, this week is kind of the technology prince week to do the same. What do you call a unicorn that makes it to the public markets and then does well, or at least pretty well? I don't really know, but we should have some sort of name and prince is kind of trash, so sound off with ideas. Turning back to China for a moment, the impact of the country's regulatory crackdown did not show up for some time. Indeed, TechCrunch was a little surprised last year that funding for Chinese tech companies didn't slow more than what we saw in quarters two, three, and four. Well, official data regarding Q1 is now out, showing the sort of declines that we anticipated last year just a little bit later. According to the South China Morning Post, I quote the following. In the first quarter of 2022, the number of fundraising deals in China's internet industry declined 38.3% year over year, while fundraising volume plunged 76.7%, according to a report published by the China Academy of Information and Communications Technology, or the CAICT. Now, in dollar terms, Chinese internet companies raised north of $15 billion in the first quarter of last year. In the first quarter of this year, that number fell to about $3.5 billion. That is awful and bad and absolutely brutal. And to the Chinese government, good luck putting the toothpaste back in that tube. Now, the same data set indicates that we've actually seen a multi-quarter decline in internet-focused fundraising in China. But recall that historical aggregates when it comes to Chinese venture money were inclusive of things like chip investments. So perhaps we looked at the big numbers a bit too much and didn't dig into enough of the smaller data. Regardless, if the Chinese government wanted to pivot its tech sector away from internet tech, congrats, it worked. Briefly this morning, the story that I am still puzzling over is the Yuga Labs Mint from the last couple of days. Now, if that made no sense to you, let me help just a little bit. Yuga Labs is the company behind the bored ape images that you either love or hate. It has raised a bunch of money and is building a sort of connected software system that includes NFTs and, if I recall correctly, games. So naturally, the company is also selling digital real estate because unlike land in our planet, well, there's always more digital land to mint. And the plots are available in the quote, other side, in case you were curious. Bloomberg said that the land mint had the effect of Yuga Labs, quote, raising about $320 million worth of cryptocurrency in the largest offering of its kind. Now, if I understand correctly, you had to own ApeCoin to actually buy other side land. ApeCoin is the Bored Ape token, which is run by a DAO or a decentralized autonomous organization, which is another way of saying that Yuga has created a responsibility and regulatory chasm between ApeCoin and itself, which, you know, sure, whatever. 
What matters is that so many people wanted to buy digital land on the other side that it actually clogged the fuck out of Ethereum. Now, if you're a little bit confused about all this digital asset stuff, just keep in mind that every digital asset is like a poker chip with a different color scheme based on what chain it exists on or which collective is backing it, okay? Anyways, folks got stuck staring down gas fees, the transaction costs on Ethereum of more than $3,000 for a bit there, which was absolutely insane. One issue with crypto is that when things go well, it breaks. It's a bit like Twitter back in the fail wheel days, if that makes sense. Anyways, if you bought digital land, uh, congrats. If not, well, we reckon you'll survive. The crypto market, while the rest of the world stares down what is going to be at least a growth slowdown and could be a global recession, is still kind of just as bonkers as ever. So I'm not sure if that is a sign of strength or a sign of weakness, but the party continues. Let's talk about startups this morning and today. Well, gosh, guys, it's neobanks still. Who would have thought? Two neobanking rounds caught my eye this morning, and you know, naturally they are different plays in different parts of the world, but hey, two in a day is still data points along a trend line that we long expected would turn. And yet, here we are. First up is Open, which TechCrunch reports, quote, operates a neobank that supports small and medium-sized businesses as well as enterprises, which means that it just supports corporations, I believe. Anyways, 2.3 businesses use it, based in India, processes more than $30 billion a year in transactions, so it's got a customer base, it's got scale. What is that worth? Well, the company just raised a round that we report was worth about $50 million, and the company, Open, is now worth about a billion dollars. So welcome to the Unicorn Club, Open. There are now 100 unicorns in India, which is a milestone of sorts. Aro Manish Singh reported that for us, and, you know, a turning point, if you will, a moment of maturity for the Indian startup scene. Tiger Global and Tomasek invested in Open along with a number of other parties. So that's one. Now the other neobanking round is a little bit different. Cogni, C-O-G-N-I, just raised $23 million in funding led by Hanwha Asset Management and Kaplan FO. And we kind of call it a digital banking startup, and it was. It was founded back in 2018 out of Barclays Accelerator Program, which is run by Techstars. And the idea was to offer, you know, personalized banking products for people between 18 and 35. All right, fair enough. Its new remit with its new capital, according to our own Anita Ramaswamy, is that the company will now work to, quote, bring Web2 and Web3 services together on one platform. I don't know why we need that when we already have Coinbase, and I presume that the 18 to 35-year-old crowd are already Coinbase's core demographics, so... okay? Oh, all right, fine, let's not be too cynical. What is the first thing that Cogni will launch as part of its Web3 push? According to TechCrunch, a multi-chain wallet. Okay, cool. I don't know why stapling some Web3 onto a Web2 company is going to work, but it's 2022 and everyone wants to be cool, so crypto is it. Closing out the show today, I, I know it's been a little bit crypto heavy, but that's because so much of the activity in startup land today is actually kind of crypto and Web3 focused. But here's a data point in the other direction. The Wikimedia Foundation is no longer accepting cryptocurrency donations. Coindesk points out that the company is doing so after Mozilla made a similar decision earlier this year. And with those two companies saying no, we can see that while it seems that everyone is out there hammering away on the Web3 hype drums, not every community out there is actually into it. So who's going to be the contrarian VC who stands up and says, this is all wrong and software should be the old way? Yeah, we'll see. But currently, all VCs seem to agree that uh, markups are nice and crypto's where to get them. That is it for our show this morning. Do not forget, you can follow Equity on Twitter, where we tweet under the handle EquityPod. You can follow myself. I tweet under the handle Alex because it is my name, and we will talk to you very, very soon. Keep in mind, this is not a live show week. We will not be live on Thursday. Instead, you can catch that episode on Friday mornings, as always. 
Our sister podcast, Found, will be live on Thursday, so tune in there. I love that show. And we have a Twitter space today at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and if I did the math right, 9 p.m. in London. We have Kirsten Korosik from the Transit Desk coming on. It's going to be an absolute treat, a real blast. We'll catch you then. Bye.